0: That is what Warren Ellis would like you to do. He'd like you to respect, enjoy whatever his, well, it's not new now, but to a 19-year-old Mark Clare, this was a new and old, a new and old book that launched in 1999, The Authority from Warren Ellis. We're going to be looking at that today. But this would be no fun to just read on my own, rant about on my own, as I often do behind the paywall on Patreon on a show called What Mark Missed. But this is not that show. This is the second print comics podcast. It is Wednesday. That means I'm here with my partner in comic book crime, the rambling one himself, Ramza Martinez. What's up,
1: Mark? I love doing these Warren Ellis episodes because I don't think there's one writer who, by the way. Love his stuff, deeply respect his stuff. But as I looked back at our catalog and saw the last couple of Warren Ellis episodes that we did, I've given him some of the lowest scores and I've given mm-hmm. him some of the highest scores. So I'm. Um, what other
0: we did the other Stormwatch watch Warren Ellis, which I think he didn't rank. I think you ranked. I don't. Know, I don't know. I was going to make something up. I don't remember.
1: I gave that one pretty low on story and art. Uh, then we did ironically i think it was like one or two episodes later we did his uh invincible iron man
0: oh right yes well yeah that we gave it that got an spc 20 we both yeah. gave that a 10
1: that was phenomenal that that became like the new gold standard for a while so yeah. you've got the bet the, well i considered because you still gave a pretty decent score i consider him like the lowest lows and the highest highs interesting well we'll see which one this is for
0: you today, because the authority. So first of all, if you haven't listened, I think it was. Oh, help me! I I want to say it's like episode sixteen. No, it's episode twenty-five. Okay, I yonder was, back. Whatever. whatever we did, Warren. This is back when I was insane. I'm still insane. Some would argue, but In the when I had no, I had no restraints on the number of issues I would try to recap. So I think it was something like fourteen issues of Warren Ellis's Stormwatch that I
1: recapped. It. Was, I had to get a bottle and piss into it
0: i'm looking at it right now this episode was I, I can't guarantee we'll never have an episode this long again but we'll never plan to have an episode this long again it's one of our longest episodes two hours and 13 minutes in fact it might be our longest episode Holy it might actually shit. be the longest episode ever two hours and 13 minutes it's rare we crack the two hour mark i'm just doing a quick scan it's our longest didn't episode. we do
1: that like a month ago
0: well yeah, the 1602 we did 2 hours 1 minute. I have the iTunes pulled up so I can see all the all the times. Uh yeah, that was the closest we got was uh, the Medieval Marvel from Neil Gaiman the 1602 episode a few weeks ago was 2 hours 1 minute. But that
1: God, one could, could you have imagined what would have happened if we did Crisis on Infinite Earths in one show?
0: Dude, even if we did sixteen oh two in one show, that that two hours, that two hours was four issues. I mean, that'd be a four hour show. Be like doing weird science times at, at this point here. But uh, now we have so we have since you know reigned it in a little bit. We try not to do more than you know four to six issues in an episode. Hey, oh wow! Mix either of those. Wow! Been better, huh? I've been Ghost practicing. Clap. I'm like in front of the mirror, like Ron Burgundy. Issues, episodes, issues, episodes, issues, episodes. Um, but anyway, this is. A relaunch of sorts in a way or spin off, whatever you want to call it, of Warren Ellis's Stormwatch. And towards the end of that Warren Ellis Stormwatch run, uh, Brian Hitch came on as the artist. And basically, the behind the scenes here is Stormwatch was not selling well, it did not do well. They gave it to Warren Ellis as kind of a latch ditch, like, Hey, Warren Ellis, why don't we put him on this book that no one fucking reads? Um, I think Warren Ellis did turn the book around creatively like I think it is a much better book than it was prior to that where it was just your typical you know image hey there's superpowers there's bad guys there's aliens shooting at each other not much to it Warren Ellis did for better or for worse did add a lot of depth to this book a lot of characters added a lot of the political intrigue and drama and such so I think he didn't prove the book creatively but he did not approve the book sales-wise the sales of Stormwatch did not even budge when Warren Ellis was the writer in fact he's even since said the only reason they kept that book running is because the guys in the Wild Storm office liked Warren Ellis and wanted to keep him working and liked reading the book. But they but everyone knew it, it wasn't selling and didn't matter. And that is why ultimately they did wrap up the first Stormwatch run with uh with issue fifty. But Warren Ellis he wanted to do something better he wanted to do something that did sell that did actually have staying power because he wasn't satisfied to just be a charity case <laughs> you know he, he didn't want to just be kept on uh because the guys in the office like reading the book he wanted to make a book that other people would want to read and i think to do that they had to shed they had to shed the storm watch they had to shed the whole thing and they had to had to launch it from a new so that is the the behind the scenes origin of the authority book um around the same time i believe it was january of 99 the deal was finalized this is around when dc comics purchased wildstorm from jim lee so this authority book you know it's it's technically under like wildstorm productions because it was still owned by dc but if you look on the cover there's no hint of wildstorm it just says dc so this is the authority under dc comics which is funny cuz I, I was reading this book i don't know if i just didn't know you know the behind the scenes but i was reading this book you know to the I, this was like the last book that i was still reading but this and savage dragon when i stopped reading comics around like 2002 or so so i was reading the authority and savage dragon i honestly think those are the only two books i was regularly picking up I can't remember that I, that this was from DC. Like I don't have any recollection of it. Um, I, I just, maybe I just didn't care, but it didn't, it never felt like a DC book. you know what I mean, it still felt like an image book, but technically with this launch, uh, authority number one, this was a DC comics book. So before we dive in Remzo, what's your thoughts on the authority prior to this? Had you read this run before I shoveled it down your gullet?
1: No, really my, my only exposure to the authority has been through television. There, there was, um, there, there was was somebody, well, no, they, they had some of the characters pop in and out of Smallville and recently somebody popped in and out of, I think Manchester Black was in a few seasons of Supergirl. Manchester Black is
0: an authority parody create, not parody, but maybe homage. Manchester Black was created by uh, Grant Morrison and it was supposed to be a take on the authority, but Manchester Black
1: is not part of the authority.
0: I mean, he's a part. He's a part of Superman and the Authority, so that might be why that's a little confusing.
1: Because I think that's why. Because I, I also know yeah. that you and a bunch of our listeners really liked that book, and that's why they're currently reading the current run of uh, of action comics because it basically yeah. continued that. I'm waiting
0: for that to get on Hoopla, and then I'm then I will read it as well.
1: Yeah, I think it was that, and then there was the Superman and the Authority animated film that was okay. But I think uh, I don't I don't think I ever read any of them before this.
0: Well, that's why we have this podcast, Remzo, to get us reading the stuff that we may have never gotten around to reading. And we are now going to get around to reading the authority number one. But first, I almost forgot to take care of the business and that business. I don't know why I just got some weird old like Southern that business here. You hear now you see this business we're going to be taking care of. Too. The business is don't forget to follow us anywhere and everywhere at Second Print Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Second Print Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Second Print Pod. And you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash secondprintpod where you get all sorts of bonus content. You get early access to every single episode. You get shows like What Mark Missed, Where I Am Currently, Valiantly, Bravely, going through the toughest part of the Ultimate Fantastic Four run. Um, Let's just say my my pace has slowed down a little bit as my enthusiasm has slowed down. Uh, You can also get the Moon Knight recaps from Renzo and a friend, Derek, Franz,
1: uh, and pretty soon, it's getting closer every day. You combine Caleb Franz and Derek Gordon. Did I say Derek Franz? I just said Derek Franz. <laughs> I'm like Franz, they're a super yeah. person. Now they're pretty much one person, basically. To me anyway. Let's be honest.
0: Uh, yeah, so uh, get all that stuff over on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash pod. You can even at higher levels produce episodes of the show. Get on monthly calls with Mark and Remzo. Mark and Remzo. i am in mean, the third person with Remzo and I? Cetera, we are all et cetera, et cetera, Mark so and, so and, and so. Remzo. Yes, we are Mark and Remzo. We should start a cult now. Now that that's what we we have. What is a po- what are podcasts if not glorified cults? Let's be honest. Essentially yeah cults with audio editing basically is what podcasts are uh we move into now the authority this is a story called full circle a nice clean four issues thank you very much mr ellis for keeping this one tight but uh, again this is warren ellis and artist brian hitch what are your thoughts on brian hitch because i really i did enjoy his art on Stormwatch, and i think i've usually enjoyed brian hitch art never enjoyed brian hitch the writer
1: so My my peak Brian Hitch is when he was with uh, Mark Millar over on the Ultimates. I I, I think he's kind of gotten into a weird position because starting out and, and I like his artwork. I really did not like his stuff on the previous Stormwatch book that we covered. But that's only because that was when he started drawing and it, he hadn't really worked it into his own style yet. And, it, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's kind of similar here, only because of the proximity and time and stuff like that. Whereas him in like the mid 2000s, he was an all star. He did get kind of, I, I will say, I'm not going to say sloppy, But over the past four or five years, I'll say that the quality of his stuff has just not been up to par. And this is like super in the weed shit. So I apologize for getting into the minutia. But when the Infinite Frontier limited series came out and he put out a alternate cover with Superman, Calvin Ellis, he gave him like. This giant receding hairline, and he also messed up the distance in his eyes. So people were making fun of him, basically saying that you have an old baby (laughs) or an extremely young grandpa, like a prematurely aged black Superman where you can't tell whether he's Barack Obama or Uncle Ben from the Rice Box. (laughs) And what made it worse was that a lot of people from D.C. were like, well, you know, we had to rush it out and you put, you know, Brian was put in the in the rough position. So basically that was their polite way of saying, yeah, it's not good. And then Brian Hitch got really mad and he started calling people out and getting in the fights with people and he blocked a bunch of people. And long story short, it's still kind of a downward spiral. So it's a it's. It's a weird relationship I have with this stuff. I love some of his stuff, but some of his other stuff before his Ultimates run and after that is just kind of scattered in quality. That's probably more than what you wanted, but it's what you're getting.
0: Well, it it remains to be seen how you will judge uh, this iteration of Brian Hitch. So stay tuned to the end of this episode where we'll find out. But... We go into authority number one. We start with a big page where we just see the earth, the old earth with a caption saying, they think there's no one left to save the world. So just a recap, for those of you who have not gone back, but you should pause right now and go take the two hours and 13 minutes to listen to episode 25. Uh, and then you can, you'll kind of be caught up to where we are with these characters. But basically Stormwatch was the UN sponsored uh, basically Watchers of Earth run by this madman, Henry Bendix, uh, in that last episode damn it, I did it. It's been so long. You did so well. Last, I know. In that last issue, uh, Stormwatch number 50, a bunch of crazy shit happened. A bunch of characters died. Henry Bendix died. Uh, and and Stormwatch was effectively shut down. It no longer exists as we head into the authority number one here. So, we start off in Moscow. This little old Russian lady is uh, walking along, and we see these streaks in the sky. Suddenly, the next page, boom, huge explosion. We see buildings blowing up. We see laser beams everywhere and these dudes who all have the same circle with three they're just these dudes all in black they all look exactly the same um and they're all just shooting lasers from their eyes and destroying everything burning people alive uh just causing absolute mayhem and destruction completely destroying the City of Mass Moscow without any dialogue on on these two pages. Before I get into the story, what do you think of this this start where not a single word is uttered? We just see Moscow destroyed by these these like Asian Superman basically, and then and then and then we move on.
1: It it certainly gives you that feeling where it's like, what the hell did I just see? So uh, it got my attention. It, 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 <laughs> it caught my attention pretty immediately. It's like starting a movie immediately with like nine eleven no context (laughs) it's like oh this is where we're at okay
0: oh it's nice we can laugh laugh i'm not laughing about 9-11 i'm laughing at the joke anyway moving along we head to new york city where we see our old friends from the old store watch Christine Trelane and what's his damn name? Uh, Jackson. Yeah, Jackson Hyatt. Jackson Hyatt and Christine Trelane, who are already not, they are superheroes, but they were already acting in a, sort of a managerial role last we saw them in Stormwatch. And now they are basically reduced to working desk jobs at the UN. And they're talking about what went on. They're like, man, we don't even have a Stormwatch now. Like, this, these guys just destroyed Moscow. This seems like a problem. What the fuck are we going to do? He's just like, And um, you know, uh, Jackson Hyatt is saying there's no one left to stop them. Even Jenny Spark and Storm, the Stormwatch black team. So J- Jenny Sparks, um all of Stormwatch black survived the the destruction of Stormwatch 50 because J- Jenny Sparks, Jack Hawksmore and I think Swift were part of Stormwatch black. They were the team that wasn't supposed to exist. They were like the the black ops covert team. So they all they all made it out of, the, out of this thing alive. I believe it, at Midnight or Apollo might have been a, a part of that team as well. Um so yeah, all those guys survived. It was basically basically the newer characters survived, and all the old ones, most of the old ones that were carryovers from the original image Stormwatch, those are the ones that died. So none of that was coincidental at all. Uh, so yeah, they're talking about all this stuff, and before they know it, see a little zap it appears. The spirit of the 20th century herself, Jenny Sparks. remso are you a fan of Jenny Sparks? I've just always loved this character for whatever reason.
1: I think I said she was she was cool. Yeah, she's cool. I dig her. She had a cool origin story.
0: Wears a British T-shirt and a a white, you know, pantsuit. She's looking, looking spiffy.
1: She doesn't need to tell anyone that she's cool. She's just kind of no, got she that. Doesn't. She's got
0: that attitude. She's got that vibe. Exactly. She, I mean, like the chick appears out of electricity sockets and she's usually, it doesn't look like she is here. She usually pops out smoking a cigarette. So she always looks pretty damn cool. And she doesn't really say anything. She's just, well, she just, she just says we were somewhere else when they hit Moscow. It won't happen again. Tell me everything, you know? So some of these characters are still around still watching over things, but unfortunately they they couldn't really help in Moscow. We then go to a place called Gamora Island. I'm gonna guess you don't remember Gamora Island because this was this is a deep cut. <laughs> You'd have to go to the to the beginning of um, of that episode, that Stormwatch episode. But uh, in that series, Warren Ellis had an issue where, like, basically the theme of that series was that Henry Bendix was. Um, really being heavy-handed, and like a lot of the stuff he was doing as leader of Stormwatch, was extremely morally questionable. And one thing he did was have the members of Stormwatch, in retaliation to a terrorist attack by this guy Kazan and Gamora, he had the members of Stormwatch go to Gamora Island and cause and create a massacre. I mean, they murdered two hundred Gamoran civilians. This is this happened in the pages of uh, the Stormwatch book by Warren Ellis. Uh, so now we are circling back to that. We are on Gamora Island, and we see this guy Ka- Kaizen Gamora, who he basically looks like Fu Manchu. Uh, I think that's all we really need to say. He's got he's the stereotypical Asian villain. He has the mustache, has the eyes. It's problematic. Uh, I, yes, he's very he's very problematic. <laughs> he's so as, as problematic. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and he he is just giving a little mo- uh, soliloquy here. He's saying, um, you know, seventy years ago, the brothers Gamora stop, were born. Stop! Into stop! Stop! Po-
1: You have to do it in the stereotype voice.
0: No, I, come on, I don't want to do that.
1: We did the gongs for Lady Shiva. We need to double down for that internet clout. Should I do gongs for uh,
0: Cazen Gamora? Seventy years ago, the brothers Gamora were born into Perugia. By the age of ten, the brothers Gamora ran... It's how quickly I could be turned racist. uh, Ran their village. By sixteen, they ran the country. By eighteen, they had remade Perugia as an island factory for terror. And by twenty, I had killed my brothers, Sum and Y. But I remember and I honor them by retaining the symbol we used in the old days. The circle with three knots. In the old days, it was a Thin leather bracelet that served as a symbol worn to identify the creatures of the brothers Gamora. Today it is a smooth corporate logo. The meaning is the same. Anything marked with the Gamora circle belongs to the clan Gamora, and I am not going to continue trying to do this accent because it's hurting my
1: throat. But this is basically basically where they got the idea of the Mandarin (laughs) in Iron Man 3.
0: That's almost exactly what this is, yeah. (laughs) down to down to everything including my, my bad impression uh but yeah basically what he wants to do is he takes he's taking this symbol and this symbol it's these three dots in a circle and the symbol whatever is on this symbol you know according to this gamora guy you own it is a symbol that is owned by the Gamora clan. So what he's trying to do here is he is trying to own the earth by putting this symbol on the earth. And the three dots are three major cities. Um, so we, the reader knows this, you know, the, the authority has to figure that out, but Man, that's, that's this basically is so
1: problematic.
0: This is very <laughs> problematic. And yeah, and we see him, uh, surrounded by all, all these same guys that we saw before these, uh, these black suited fellas. It was like the, uh, yeah, that's like the suit that uh, Superman wore when he came back—the the regeneration suit, suit, the regeneration suit. Yeah, they're wearing regeneration suits, only with this uh, circle and dot symbol instead of the Superman symbol. And basically, this this is a very classic villain in the sense that he has no origin, like that you could ever sympathize with.
1: Like, it's not like a—he's a, a foreigner, so we know that he's evil.
0: <laughs> he's just—he's just evil because he's not from this country. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, we talked—we did our favorite villains episode, and like, I, at least for me, my favorite villains are ones that. They're only a villain because you know because of who they're against. But like you know, you could you could make the argument you could be sympathetic to them, like a Magneto, like a Doctor Doom, um, a robot, even. Uh, but this is not that kind of villain. This is a villain who is purely evil, and he doesn't he doesn't commit terrorist acts because he has some goal or he has some demand. No, he commits terrorist terrorism. He commits terrorist acts. He commits terrorism because. Because that's the reward. The reward is the terror. He is just a villain.
1: Straight up. Man, George Bush would love this guy.
0: <laughs> Guys Gomorrah, Gamora, you are either with us or you are against us. And we go back to New York where Jenny is uh, chatting with uh, Christine and Jackson Hyde. And uh, this is basically picking up right where we were before. Christine is like, Jenny Sparks, what, what is all this? How did you get here? She's like, she's like, I'm fucking Jenny Sparks, bitch. I travel through electricity. You know, how I get here. Uh, but she basically says, yeah, Stormwatch may be gone, but there she's British, too. I don't have to do a British. Stormwatch may be gone, but there is. Stop, stop. We've we try, already we- lost
1: half the audience. <laughs>
0: We've already lost the Asians. And now we're going to lose the Brits uh is half our audience Asian not anymore (laughs) but I can't do British I every time I try it's Australian the quarter
1: Asian part of me is very offended
0: I hope so. But there is still a way to stop these bastards before it's too late for everyone, but you'll have to give me your intel on this. So she's basically going to these guys that she that are that she's old old friends with for help on this. And she's and Jackson's like, Who's going to stop them, Jenny? What what have you been up to here? She says, Well, friends, I've got friends, you know, when you put me and the the rest of Stormwatch Black team into hiding, we decided not to be idle. Me, Jack hawksmore Hawksmoor, min who is Swift, we started talking to people. Now, are you going to give me all your intel on the Moscow incident or not? So they do, they're like, "Yeah, whatever." And she just says the word door. And and uh and Jack's like, "Who's going to stop them, Jenny?" And he see she says, "A higher authority." As she walks through this door, and we go right to the next scene where she is walking out through that door, uh which seemingly teleported to her to this place, the carrier. She is in the carrier junction room. Where she meets up with our old friend, Jack Hawksmore. Jack Hawksmore, Hawksmore. What do you remember about Jack Hawksmore? Anyway? Anything? He
1: doesn't wear mm, shoes. I'll tell you that. He Basically, can phase through stuff.
0: Can he? I don't know. I don't, know I don't think, I think so. I think, I think, I think it's somebody else. Up. But, <laughs> but uh, Jack Hawksmore is a pretty unique character. He feeds on cities like he feels he feels the city like his his power comes from cities and comes from being around like a lot of people and if he any and if he's away from a city he loses his powers
1: so just an interesting, interesting yeah i don't remember shit about this guy
0: <laughs> yeah he wears a trench coat and doesn't wear shoes that jack that's jack Hawk, hawks more. uh swift is a former tibetan monk who has wings and flies around and jenny is jenny so they are there uh in the carrier and jenny's just basically uh laying out what they're doing here she's like you know how did it go with them uh, hawksmore's like how did it go and she's like well expect as expected but i got the information we needed and uh, swift is like well we didn't really need a jenny not with the engineer and the doctor now there was an engineer and a doctor in the old Stormwatch. we'll meet them in a bit these are not the same engineers and doctors um jenny spark says we needed christine and jackson to believe we needed them because when all bloody hell breaks loose and it's going to we will need them so she's like i don't need them now for this thing we're gonna do we can deal with these these uh you know superman clone guys this Kaizen and gamora that's problematic villain we can deal with that but someday so we're gonna problematic need so, yeah so let's let's build the bridge now basically uh and then we go and we go back to she sends uh you know Hawksmore off to do a little intel on uh in Moscow and Hawksmore gets to Moscow and uh they they all teleport through they just say door and this carrier thing opens a door and they go where the fuck they want so it's qu- it's quite convenient and um Hawksmore sees this symbol on the wreckage and it's that same symbol that we've seen it's the the three dots in the circle and and Hawksmore's like oh this is their mark isn't it the people who did this and he he can Feel this thing and he says, I haven't seen residual radiation like that since the days of riding Stormwatch Transfer Vase. The good old days, the good, the original Warren Ellis Run. Uh we then go and we see Jenny Sparks, uh, who is talking to our new engineer, our brand new engineer, who goes by the name of Angela Spica. And basically the summary with her is the old engineer, uh, when he died, his like last act was to send this engineer this other person angela speaker all his information about this nanotechnology and what have you and she just downloaded that shit absorbed it into her body and now she has powers and she has nano metal blood and that is the short origin of, of the engineer here that's hot we then also meet this new doctor who is called the shaman and so what we learn here too is that the earth always has a doctor a doctor is like the a title that it, that is always passed down uh so this is we do actually see him meeting with the other doctor that we knew from the Stormwatch, the previous Stormwatch series it's is kind of like the uh the ancestral plane uh, in wakanda you know he's he's meeting this is basically black panther you know so he's he's talking to the last version of the doctor that is basically uh the earth shaman there to protect the earth from huh, all sorts of extraterrestrial not extraterrestrial but extra dimensional spiritual demonic type stuff basically uh so yeah they, so that that is uh yeah th- those are basically the replacement characters for the dead engineer and the dead doctor it's new shaman this guy with these uh rose-colored glasses former junk um former maybe current junkie he looks pretty stoned in this and the new engineer angela speaker did you ever read i'm curious did you ever read maybe it was like three or four years ago even that they warren ellis they actually brought him in to do and to launch it was supposed to be a new wild storm line um but i think all they ever had was a. they had the, a book called the wild storm that lasted 24 issues which i really did enjoy there was one spinoff like the michael spin spinoff and then that just ended but i really enjoyed it i was actually i was ready to like make this my line because i was digging that one you ever did you ever catch a
1: sniff of that you, one you know it's so weird i remember seeing a few blogs about it through comicbookresources.com and i saw it on the stands dc did very little promo for it it's like they they you know they let people know it was out but they didn't really want to promote it and you see that in comic lines where it's like they're like contractually obligated to put out the books but then the pr team does as little as possible to actually promote them interesting well
0: that ended up going nowhere but i did really enjoy that that book the Wildstorm. anyway
1: kind of like ultimate fantastic four
0: oh that's so much better than well
1: (laughs) depends on which don't get me there now to
0: learn my thoughts about ultimate fantastic four patreon.com slash second print pod but angela speak of that version of the engineer is a pretty prominent prominent character in that version basically brings all these characters back but they're you know they're totally new uh you know totally new characters um we then see a couple other familiar faces apollo and the Midnighter. i'm gonna let you take this one remzo you can do this what can you tell me about apollo and the Midnighter?
1: they're my favorite gay couple. (laughs)
0: <laughs> in real life and fictionally. Yeah, basically they're gay Batman and Superman. That, that's who they
1: are. Honestly, they're so cool.
0: <laughs> they're so awesome. They're so cool. They're,
1: they're really cool.
0: <laughs> these are two dudes that like, they go off and do cool ass shit and they come home. These guys ain't cuddling. <laughs> they're giving it They are. This is not... This
1: is, Dark not Knights, Man of Steel.
0: <laughs> Definitely my favorite gay fictional couple. I'd have to think further. I don't want to insult gay couples I know in real life, but you know, these... These guys are
1: badass. I'm just going to put it this way. Years later, when Apollo is viciously sexually assaulted, what Midnighter did to the man who did that to him has gone down as one of the most violent scenes in all of comic book history. And it was so fucking awesome.
0: What book did that appear in? So here's what's like always confusing about these Wildstorm characters now when it comes to DC Comics. DC owns them so they can do whatever they want with them. It's like sometimes they have their own line. like This started off as their own line, but then sometimes they're like... Oh, we own these characters. Let's make them part of DC. And I think when they redid, um, when the New Fifty Two came out, they had a new Stormwatch series that had yeah, like for, some of these. Yeah, forget that.
1: Forget that series ever existed because I did yeah, collect yeah. that. And after also had Martian
0: Manhunter in it.
1: Yeah, it was bad. Like it, it's yeah. it's in no one's continuity. It's barely recognized in New Fifty Two continuity. But Apollo and Midnighter, they never. I don't think they they they've had a. Titled Together, but a majority of their stories took place in like the authority or their comics. I think it's an I think it's this authority run where we're gonna have the infamous scene where Apollo is depowered and kidnapped and you know mm-hmm. victimized that way, and Midnighter finds out, and Midnighter does some like shit that the Punisher wouldn't even do. I do
0: kind of recall this. So, yeah, I I mean, it's definitely not in the issues we're looking at today. But, you know, this, by the way, the authority goes on forever. Like this is actually just a 12 issue run by Warren Ellis. But we get a Mark Millar run. We get a Grant Morrison run. I think there are there are four volumes of the authority. So they kept bringing this book back. So I I imagine it was selling decently because they always. this
1: was one of the first really mature lines to come out from one of the big two. Mm indeedy but
0: anyway apollo and midnighter our favorite badass couple um, are walking through the halls of the carrier and uh, Midnighter's basically just saying, you know, we can't deal with things on this scale. For God's sake, we spent five years working the alleyways of America. We go from that to this to hell with this and Jenny Sparks, we should never have listened, never brought Apollo and the Midnighter out of retirement. And, and Apollo says, retirement my ass. We are Apollo and the Midnighter. And if this, <laughs> his ass is right. And if this seems big, well, then we just have to grow up. So yeah, a couple big occurring in their own way Uh, we then get like a huge splash page where we finally get to see the carrier and the carrier is massive it is this moving the carrier is moving downward through the davakianic realm at a speed of 25 dreams per second (laughs) that is that is a, a, a speed i have never heard before 25 dreams per second and this is basically this like interdimensional spaceship thing and they they kind of they'll talk about it more going on it's a really it's a really weird thing but essentially this thing operates towards the edge of the bleed and the bleed is a concept that is still exists in the dc universe the bleed is basically the wall that separates um, various uh, different dimensions and alternate realities and what have you so these guys could basically go fucking anywhere. I think this is actually touched on in, uh, I think there was part of that Warren Ellis run. We looked at where they had to battle, uh, this other, this alternate reality earth. And then they went through the bleed thing, blah, 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 whatever time passes on. And we go back to, uh, the mission, the carrier's mission control room, where Angelina, uh, Angelina, where Angela Spica is um, basically just analyzing some data here as engineers often do. And they're talking about how Jack saw the residue of of the teleportation effect in Moscow. Uh, So the, you know, this carrier is able to sense, uh, sense that same radiation about when it's about to appear essentially. So they figure out that there's about to be another teleportation thing opening above london so they don't quite get there in time but they realize something's going on the same thing is going down in london so we head over to london sure enough these same motherfuckers there is just so much destruction here we see big ben good old big ben not the football player the tower goes down gets destroyed and here come these asian superman uh dot circle guys just destroying everyone killing everyone with lasers but this time Mm-mm. this time they face a little resistance because in flies motherfucking apollo rages in there and starts kicking some superman-esque ass of his own apollo the sun king and we're sort of re being reintroduced to our characters here the midnighter night's bringer of war i really like these in these uh, nicknames the engineer the maker that's kind of a lame one. The doctor, the shaman, Jack Hawksmore, the God of the cities. And as we see Jack Hawksmore, he's literally punching one of these guys faces off and his eye is exploding from his face as his jaw falls apart. This panel is crazy. Swift, the winged huntress. And of course our leader, Jenny sparks the spirit of the 21st century. They kick ton of a, a ton of ass. And Jenny just says game over. As we finish the first issue with a splash page of this new brand new authority, ramza what do you think of the authority what do you think of them more importantly compared to the Stormwatch team,
1: i i like the lineup a lot more i think uh y- you've got enough differences to make them all stand out but they all kind of complement each other in a different way just the whole way the issue was is done like i i don't remember really liking how the other one was introduced but this um this intro is a first issue like it's it, it's really good i dig it
0: yeah so we head into issue two And, uh, you know, they kick some ass, but there's still like a billion of these fucking, you know, Superman clone guys fighting around. So they got to get back into battle. They get a little com link by. So basically... Angela Angela Spica sends this little nano insect into each of their heads and now they can all talk to each other so that that's very convenient and uh, they go off and we get some more battle these guys are just kicking ass as much as they can we're getting displays of all their various powers uh, the shaman is doing some shamanic shit um, shaman and, midnighter. Shimon! Shimon! and uh, we see the midnighter kicking ass as I, I mean midnighters my I think my favorite character in this whole thing um, and he, he, midnighter just takes out like a bunch of these guys and he's like your move apollo what do you got and then Apollo is like well i'm so rough to you after after a whole six months off the street that i need i need the reminding shut up you whine like an old woman there this it says uh, Midnighter. so they're just bickering here as as uh apollo to show off here i guess to his husband calling him out or boyfriend i'm not sure their, their legal status but he just they don't rips like titles entire <laughs> yeah, he just rips an entire part of the city off and all these guys fall into the river and fucking die. Um and then this is all part of the plan, I guess, because Hawksmore yells, They're in the river, Jenny. So what does Jenny do? The, the spirit of the 21st century, the one, the master of electricity, she electrocutes all of these motherfuckers in the uh I don't know if it's called the London River, whatever that river in London called. Someone that's smarter the can the us. Yeah. Someone gets is it the River Thames? Maybe. First of all, it's pronounced ten. At, at least I know that. At least I don't know that if this is that river that I know how to pronounce.
1: There's a unique body of water there. I'm sorry I couldn't remember
0: that. Um, there, there's a fun scene there. They seem to have killed most of them. Um, and Jenny's like, you know, get around the city, start mopping up. And uh, Midnighter comes upon this guy who's one of those guys who's still alive, holding a small child. Midnighter just casually i love this scene so much midnighter just says put the child down and the guy's like nope i leave alone or it dies and midnight says let me make the situation clear for you this is kind of like Midnighter's midnighter speech he gives everyone He says, I know what it's, it's, it's basically his Liam, his Liam Neeson in uh, in taken. I know what special abilities you have. I can see the enhancements. I can detect the increased electrical activity in your brain. I know what moves you're preparing to make. I've fought our fight already in my head in a million different ways. I can hit you without you even seeing me. I'm what soldiers dream of growing into. I'm what children see when they first imagine what death is like. I'm the midnighter put the child down and you can see this guy is like now he's about to go kill this child before you know it you just see like a swoosh of air and we see midnighter holding the child and midnighter says told you so and this guy's just dead he just snapped his neck in that that quick midnighter is awesome so midnighter is basically he's like batman if batman was a machine um literally he's he's programmed and you now him and Apollo were basically basically both created um, genetically engineered by Henry Bed- Bendix uh, to be utilized by the previous version of Stormwatch. Uh, and his, his power is that he just he, he knows everything and he can calculate. He can look at someone. He can see everything. He can know all their powers and he can know how their brain works and he can anticipate their every move. So he basically cannot be defeated, at least by anything that he is remotely in a similar um, you know power level to. Uh, Hawksmore's calling out. He's like, Hawksmore to anyone. I'm being shot at by some son of a bitch, 400 feet above my head. So some of these guys are still coming. If I don't see some air support right now, I'm gonna come back from the dead specifically to tell Jenny on you. And good old Apollo comes in, uh, helps save Jack. Hawksmore uh, kills another one of these guys and rips his shirt off. And when he rips his like his you know his uh, black Superman regeneration suit off, the guy says, "You tore my teleport netting." And Apollo's like, "That's not all I'm gonna tear it off. Where do you think you're going?" The guy flies away, and Jenny's like, "Oh hell." and uh they're like you know should we go follow this guy and they're like no no we don't want to follow him uh, and but before she can say and even even say anything apollo's gone apollo just flies away and chases this guy and she, she says door so emergency they go into the carrier and as they go through the door um the storm like some of these like guys are falling through the through the carrier so awesome um, actually they, they're falling into um into the the okay yeah they're being teleported back to kaizen gamora where kaizen gamora just comes in and he's giving a speech to he's basically giving a speech over the loudspeaker to everyone he's saying all medical teams to the inject all medical teams to the injection field repeat all medical teams to the injection field we have wounded teleporting in crash team to injection field entrance nine morgue unit to injection i feel like i'm doing splinter from so problematic No one is to panic. No one is to be afraid. Gamora is strong. Kaizen Gamora loves all. (laughs) Last time I'm doing that voice, it hurts my throat too much.
1: Because it's so problematic.
0: As soon as he he finishes this speech where he says, Gamora loves all, he says, I love no one. (laughs) As soon as he turns off the thing, he's like, yeah, I love no one. He's like, there should have been no one to interrupt this London operation. There is no one who operates on my scale. I must protect my people while I consider draw the, the curtains over Gamora Island. And, um, this, we see this, um, Force field basically come over Gamora Island as uh, the rest of the Authority is going after Apollo here, and all it's kind of cute. You know, all the all the flying people are helping someone out. So uh, Engineer is carrying Jenny Sparks, although can't she just fly in the electricity of the yeah. air or something? Whatever. Um, Swift Swift is carrying Hawksmore, who can fly sometimes, but maybe not over the ocean because he's powered by the city. So that that I'll buy. And I'm not sure which of the Shaman min- 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 Midnighter is the one flying, but they're holding hands and flying through the air. Mm. So whatever. Everyone can fly now but yeah they're putting up this this um this shield as apollo is flying full speed at this thing and as apollo is flying after this guy he just starts to disappear and you're like what the fuck and then he reappears and he is like basically in this place with all this like green and liquid or something and we hear we hear we see a voice from a off screen if it's a movie off panel saying there wasn't another way to save your life you were headed towards something harder than you are at too high of a speed to be stopped we're in a broken universe somewhere off the bleed the kinetic energy of anything traveling over 100 miles an hour here gets converted into music so i guess apollo turns into music and it is just the doctor so this this doctor the shaman um he did some dimensional shit and pulled apollo into the this weird area that exists this interdimensional zone that exists between the bleed to to prevent him from going headfirst into this shield and killing him so that was very nice nice move from the shaman there um uh he's like and then paul's like thanks dude well are you gonna send us back now that we saved me from that he's like yeah sure so they disappear right outside uh right outside of the uh of the the bubble protecting gamora island here <laughs> what do you think of the scene I, I really i really enjoyed it
1: i like it you know it's it's stuff like this where it's like sometimes it's just so ridiculous it's awesome and you can't you can't say anything otherwise
0: yeah and uh jenny's like welcome back but you know next time wait for the fucking order bitch wait for the order apollo this proves why you're supposed to listen to jenny your your reluctant leader uh eventually they say all right well we're done here let's go back they go back to the carrier um and you know jack and jenny have a little little talk about oh no that's not jack and jenny jack and angela speak i have a little talk about you know hey what's it like being a superhero kind of stuff she's like well it's pretty crazy but uh and she's like did jenny sparks always shout at everyone like that he's like well not on that scale we're pretty close but the more responsibility she gets the louder and more horrible she becomes she's had a weird life i tend to forgive her a lot for that uh we then go see a little conversation between uh, Jenny Sparks and Apollo, and, and and Jenny is just getting off the phone with Christine Trelane, so uh, she still is is keeping these contacts with her former Stormwatch uh, teammates who are now part of the UN and we're, well we're i hate to say it to the one reviewer we are going to get political a little bit later later in the show by the way and uh jenny is saying phew we're, man we're gonna clear we got it we're going to be clear with the russians in about 10 minutes time and apollo's like you are deeply i don't know why I'm, i think he's russian he's not russian you're deeply uncomfortable with leadership aren't you you're deeply uncomfortable with leadership aren't you she's like well no i don't like it now and he's like well interesting yeah you know you you're you part convinced part coerce me into joining what sounded like the the wet brain fantasy of an alcoholic burnout case. Case. he's like then you obtained the engineer whose existence had barely even been rumored to that date and i still don't know how you located the doctor whom if i understand his ranting is a magician on a planetary scale for someone who doesn't like leadership you have a knack for building armies jenny and she says well what can i say when i see an unemployed majestic class superhuman with full combat training from henry bendix ideas occur to me but i know she is it does express some doubt she's like you know this is all a hellish gamble for me apollo but there had to be someone left to save the world uh basically you know the governments of the world gave up um you know the storm watch is gone so jenny had to step up and she is the spirit of the 21st century and she says and someone left to change it that being her and uh, the authority as we wrap up issue two what are you thinking
1: why couldn't the original Stormwatch be like this? I feel like there was a lot in there I probably would have liked, but now this new authority run has just really distilled the good parts. I'm, I'm really liking this a lot more.
0: Yeah, it's a lot less convoluted, a lot more direct and to the point. And I think this is the book that Warren Ellis really wanted to do in many ways. But because, you know, elements of of this were in the other authority, uh, uh, authority, other Stormwatch. Um, but you could tell he was still kind of hampered by having that Stormwatch brand that that, you know, that same book that was just kind of a very standard, very straightforward image type book before so I think shedding that old title, shedding those old characters really reinvigorated him and and reinvigorated uh, his creativity and such.
1: So that's that's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I could I could see that a lot more here.
0: Um, so now we go and see uh, we are in London seeing um, it's kind of the aftermath math there as Swift and the doctor are there and uh you know swift is saying sometimes it's not just it's not it's just not a good enough world that you can work for it without hurting people badly you know basically saying like because they're they're saying like look what happened here like you know she's because she's saying she used to be a pacifist or like well you know and she realized like sometimes you just got to hurt people because there's a ton of people hurt here i mean like like hundreds of people are dead and hurt but you know they did save the day but they had to crack a few eggs crack a few heads to get it done so you know she is not a pacif- pacifist anymore she is no longer a monk she is a winged warrior instead and uh she does hear something as her and the doctor uh are investigating what they're hearing and uh he says well bugger me they find a couple people so uh jenny was able to use her i guess she has some super hearing or something they found a couple people buried and and save them and uh moving along we go back to the carrier tacking into the bleed superposed channel between alternate universes um yeah that's where this carrier lives it's it's a weird thing this carrier and we don't really find out all about it in this but um we will learn more about it like they say they think it's alive but they're not sure all seems kind of weird but Um, they, yeah, we go back and Apollo and Jenny are still talking. And you know, Apollo's like, Look, this brings me back to Gamora Island. He's like, and she's like, Will you just shut up about Gamora Island, you moaning paunch? what a word punch and apollo's like well what are we going to do about that force field around it he he wants to go in there and and kick some ass like apollo is rapidly wanting to go back and destroy gamoral island again and and uh swift's like is he still going on about this with the force field thing she's like yeah it's like working with me she's it's like working with me bleeding mum or something and then we hear a call jenny this is jack angie and i are in the map room come and find us They go down and uh, this is where basically um, Angela and Jack Hawksmore have figured this whole thing out. They have figured out that when they put those two dots together and lay it over the earth, it does create the, the beginnings of this image, this circle with the three dots. And they see that the third dot is right over Los Angeles. So they now know that Los Angeles is the next target for Kaizen Gamora. Thank God I got out of there before before all this went down and uh, Kaisen Gamora is watching all these superheroes and he's basically just fig- like he's like who are these who the fuck are these people like they're all superhuman where did they come from I know the one Jennifer Sparks the Englishwoman, a creature of electricity almost a century old most recently most recently leader of the Stormwatch covert warfare team and this one idiot is like but Stormwatch no longer exists boss why is she doing what's she doing over Gamora and he's like that's the American Jack Hawksmore and Shen Li Min of Tibet also laid of Stormwatch I don't know the others they were in London they are operating against us. I wonder why. Got a video call from New York, and you know he's getting a little Zoom call here from the United Nations, including their emissaries, our friends Jackson Hyde and Christine Trelane. And they're basically like, "Dude, what do you want, Kaisen Gamora? What's your deal? Why are you causing all this terrorism?" And he just laughs. He's like, "Ha ha ha ha! I am Kaizen Gamora, father and fine." I said I wasn't going to, but you I can, just can't You help can that.
1: stop. You you like really? You gave a valiant effort. And now well, it's See, now, now I'm kind of into
0: it. It's it's just so <laughs> problematic. I don't care. Now I'm into it. Ha ha ha! I am Kaizen Gamora, father and final brother of the Clan Gamora, ruling family of Gamora Island. What do you think I need? Ha 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 ha! Two years ago, Stormwatch did me a great unkindness. In retaliation for an act of business perpetrated upon the British Isles, hundreds of my people were murdered. I have spent two years building the world's reward for daring to harm Gamora first Moscow then London and then <laughs> and they're like act of business you were a terrorist that was terrorism and they responded to terrorism they're like well yeah um but you responded to terrorism with terrorism so how are you any better than me and frankly he kind of has a point um uh, but yeah gamora says yes it was an act of terrorism gamora is built on terrorism and the un guys like why he says because i can because i am a wolf in a world of sheep because terror is the blood of life and its guiding principle i have no politics and this is crazy i've no politics to espouse through my terror no ideals to force through and as he does this he waves for this like you know geisha woman to come over and as he's talking he slowly with his big sharp nail carves this same symbol in her face with the three dots in the circle as he says terror is its own reward your missiles and bombers mean nothing to me my terror has shown you that Gamora is the one true superpower on earth that's why as he completes this slicing this woman's face off basically who doesn't move doesn't react doesn't respond he says i am not finished my mark is not yet cut when it is then you shall all know that i own the planet what a fucking bastard this guy is jeez i mean hard hard to battle an enemy that you can't negotiate with because he has no goal other than to destroy the stuff so we head on we go back to the carrier uh and the carrier again this one is they they always describe the carrier and what it's dealing doing it says sailing the outer oceans of idea space during the spawning season keeping pace with the school of obsession fish so there's like there's like a very like neil Gaiman-y aspect too to some of this stuff like this carrier lives in this sort of interdimensional area where there's things like obsession fish and you you calculate time in terms of dreams it's just it's weird and wild stuff and we go and they're having a little board meeting and jenny's like all right we need to be in los angeles we need to know what the hell gamora is up to more to the point if we can stop him attacking la in the first place well that would probably be a good thing and he, she says jack's probably the best suited to what i'm thinking but i need him in la just in case so midnighter You're going in. So Midnighter is being sent to Gamora past their force field. Uh, They're going to use that teleportation door to try to get him in there uh, um, undetected, basically. Um, So that that is the plan. That's at least part of the part of the plan that we know about. And he she basically says, Yeah, if you need help, shout, you know, the comms should go through the force field, right, Angie? Angie's like, Yeah, yeah, it should be routed through the carrier via Nanador, yes. And uh Jenny says, See, Angie does have a proper name. Uh, cause the the joke is like what can I? Cause earlier she was like, What can I call you guys? Like, I don't wanna call you guys Midnighter and Apollo. They're like, No, that's our names. That's our actual names. <laughs> we're like, we were created by Henry Bendix. He never gave never gave us names like Steve and Joe or whatever, so you have to call us Midnighter and Apollo. So just a little joke there. And she's like, "All right, let's do this thing. Let's get her done." And uh, basically, they they head off on. Uh, oh, I guess it's sort of their their first official mission uh, in a way. There's kind of a, a funny little scene here, which comes back later where Angela's like, "Hey Jenny, you got a cigarette there?" Because you know Jenny never stops smoking. And she says, "I've only got one." And uh, and she, Angie says, "I only want one." And she just says, "Bitch!" And gives her the cigarette. <laughs> and then we go uh, we go to Gamora Island. We see that midnighter has in fact made it to gamora he attacks this uh first security guard that yeah that he sees but of course the super security guard is one of the super power guys so the kick to the face doesn't do all that much he says i'm the police detachment from kaisen gamora superhuman strike force and i really don't think you're supposed to to hit me <laughs> and then we then go and see that the rest of the gang um is showing up in los angeles and right as they're arriving Instead of saying, fuck me, because I guess you can't say that in in DC Comics, Jenny says, "stone me, as we get a huge splash page of all these hundreds of these fucking Asian regenerating black suit Superman guys coming down, and we end with Jenny saying, hundreds of the sods. Sods? Maybe it's supposed to say SOBs? I'm not sure. Maybe that was a typo. Or maybe sod is a word in, in England. And British fans, if you're still here, <laughs> let, let me know. She says, Gamora must, in, must have kept, well, Christ, look at them, must have kept a battalion of the sods in reserve. And she says, I wish I had a cigarette. As we wrap up. This penultimate issue of this four-issue run. How are you feeling going into the finale
1: here, Remzo? I'm liking everything I'm seeing so far.
0: Definitely a, a very different vibe than the previous Stormwatch. Uh, less characters, more streamlined, more straightforward story, but still with the same kind of level of uh, political intrigue, I guess you could say.
1: Like, I, I want, and this is my criticism of Hickman, this is my criticism of Grant Morrison, don't tell me how smart you are by making the reader feel dumb all the time. Write a good yeah. story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think writers like Warren, Warren Ellis, not as much. I feel like Grant Morrison and a little bit of Scott Snyder and definitely a lot more of Neil Gaiman, sometimes they just want you to feel like you're not as smart as them because <laughs> they've made something so complicated. We're not getting that here, at least at least not at this point. Um, we start issue four. In Gamora, as Midnighter is battling the security guy, he's like, identify yourself. How did you dodge my strike? You cannot be that fast. And we get another Midnighter speech, and I'm just going to read it because I love these every time. He says, oh, I I can be that fast. And what's more, I know what you're going to do next. I've already played this fight in my head a million times from each and every angle. You think you're Kaizen Gamora's. Pretty damn good. I know. I know you think that, but my talents were built in by Henry Bendix, the biggest bastard on earth and trained by five years, living rough and fighting on the streets of America. I won this fight before you even turned up. Then this guy, his hands start glowing. He comes after him and Midnighter just knees him in the gut, knees him in the face and just fucking kills this guy. I don't know if he actually dies, but he he fucked him up. Good. Let's put it that way. And then uh, he looks out and says, well, well, from here to there then and looks up and he, we see gamora tower which is clearly marked by that same uh, uh, this is, you know instead of having contracts instead of needing to sign leases you just put that symbol on things and it's yours so that that's how gamora Gamora property rights work uh so yeah he's he's gonna head right to the source right to the heart of gamora tower where presumably all these guys are coming from we then head and we see these guys we head to los angeles where we see these black regenerative clone Superman guys coming down ready to cause destruction but luckily the authority is already there and we get to business but first the doctor she says jenny's like doctor doctor and he's like he's there physically but he's not really there where is he he is in the astral plane or whatever they call it here the dream space something like that who's he talking to he's talking to the other doctor the doctor that we saw die um, in the last Stormwatch series along you can see all these images of like other doctors throughout the ages so there's always a doctor and he's saying I'm not ready for this look two months ago I was a junkie I wanted to be a shaman but I was just a junkie with too many books like I was just some guy doing DMT man I don't know I can't do this look at these look at those bastards coming down and this other doctor uh, the old doctor says you are the doctor you've got millennia of dealing with threats to your village encoded in you reach inside and take it doctor says this is la this isn't my village i wouldn't give you a rat's ass for la and other older older astral doctor says the shaman lives outside the village this is 1999 the world is your tribe you are the doctor the means exist inside you reach inside and take it and then we go back and jenny's saying doctor doctor he's like uh, yeah, I'll do what I can, which is he, he thinks she thinks he's talking to him and he's really talking to this other, you know, shamanic doctor. And we see this big blue flashing light. It's all these guys get fucked up by this doctor's energy thing, whatever he just does. She's like, and Jenny's like, bloody hell, is this your idea of sorting? And this is my Alan Moore impression. It's not like its way in here. Bloody hell. Is this your idea of sorting magic? <coughs> Sod must be British for fuck or fucker or whatever. I know instead of having them beat Jenny to death, I'll turn them into 10,000 sharp pointy things and bloody chuck them at her and say, oh yeah, so this magic turns these guys into like little sharp metal objects that are raining down upon them. So he did destroy them, but but then these things come into the ground and they sprout into trees. And she's like, you turn them into trees. He's like, well, yeah, I had to do something with all that mass. So basically he just, he can change mass, but he can't, he can't destroy it. So he just turns all of these destructive supermen into trees. And then he says, I feel great. And he just passes out. And she's like, oh my God, the doctor's down. So basically he used like all of his energy to turn as many of these guys as he could into trees. Little display of the doctor's power, but that was not all of them. unfortunately, we go and we see um apollo fighting a bunch of them they're overwhelming him um it's almost becoming too much and he's just like ah oh, fuck it and just fucking blasts and, and shoots a bunch of these guys away uh, we also see um the engineer uh dealing with uh, a bunch of these guys we see i mean but they just keep coming like no matter what they do more of them just keep coming and coming and coming and and you know the newer guys are kind of having you know having their their moments of doubt like um jenny or not jenny but angela the engineer is talking to hawksmore she's like like, I'm not a soldier, Jack. And he says, No, you're an engineer. You're the woman who distilled an incalculable number of intelligent devices into nine pints of liquid machinery and exchanged your blood for it. You can do anything you can think of. That was the point of your machines. And I know you wanted to build a safer world with them, but sometimes you have to fight and kick and bite for a better world, Angie. She's like, okay, shut up, I got it. And she does some crazy energy field thing and just fucks up a bunch of these guys too. Uh we see Swift battling a bunch of them. Uh Hawksmore, whatever we see Hawksmore punching one of them he's always like exploding their jaw i just i just find that funny every time um we then go and midnighter is inside gamora tower communicating with jenny sparks he's saying this is the midnighter we have problems And and he's saying, look, I've infiltrated Gamora Tower. I can see the full scale of this now. I just don't know how to break it. He's a bioreactor. He has a bioreactor pumping out superhuman clones. That's how he's doubling his strike forces each time. He spliced superhuman traits into a selection of human genomes and just programmed this thing to keep on growing people at a rate accelerated past anything I've seen. So he is producing these guys faster than they can even destroy them all. And at this point, here's a voice off panel saying selection pa." And here is Kaizen Gamora himself confronting the Midnighter. He says, "It is the genetic material of my dead brothers and my terrifying and beautiful mother, <laughs> my terrifying and beautiful mother, deceased these last gray thirty years. They were forced to pay for the purity of Gamora with their blood. Now I give them back their glory. They scar the world for me. Well, now what do we have here? An American superhuman in Gamora Tower. Don't you know where you are, boy? This is Earth's terminal point. Here is where the world revolves from." Midnighter just says, where the world turns. You've just given me a good idea. Door. Gamora says, interesting. A door opens. Midnighter pops out through the door, jumps back into the carrier where he sees the doctor. And the doctor's, he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? What happened to you? He's like, oh, I just reforested Los Angeles. And he's like, okay, ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer, I guess. And he yells, carrier, can you hear me? God, how did you do this again? Uh, Carrier. And he's like trying to talk to the carrier. He's like, carrier, I uh, I need you to move. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. We then go back.
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> I'm just gonna get. Man, that's what that you get from doing, doing that problematic voice.
0: When you do the problem. Boy, do problematic voice. They have problematic problems. And um, Jenny says, Do we yeah, uh, we just electro electrocuted another wave of these guys, but I think LA's power grid's being hit, so she's losing her power because she sucks out electricity. So she's like, Midnighter, if you can hear us, we need an update fast. And he's like, Oh, well, I'm just taking the carrier out for a spin. She's like, What? He's like, Yeah, he's got a bioreactor. Two miles long, he's got a mass teleport system, and I can't break either of them, and you're all too busy, so I had to do some shit myself. All I can do, Jenny, is hit things until they don't work anymore. That was the Skill that was built into me. Gamora's tower is too big and hard for me to hit. So you know, it's like my father once said, "Hit the soft parts with your hand. Hit the hard parts with a utensil." As we see, everybody at Gamora Island looking up in the sky. Well, suddenly they see the fucking carrier. It appears right there above Gamora Island. And he says, if anyone's interested, that farting sound was Gamora's force fields bursting. So he's using the carrier to burst through the force fields, protecting Gamora Island. And he just brings this carrier and is driving it. I I imagine killing fucking hundreds of thousands of people here because they see they show people running as everything is just destroyed. So, again, this authority is not restrained necessarily by any." certain overall moral moral restraint of any kind uh and uh, we just see kaizen gamora staring at this thing from his tower as it's coming right at him and he says i only wanted to have some fun when we go to midnight or has this crazy smile on his face as he is destroying this tower and he just says i love being me and we see a full splash page of of gamora tower being destroyed by the carrier we go back to los angeles we see eh, all sorts of destruction and such we see a bunch of these things dead. Swift is like, did we win? And Apollo shows up. He's like, yeah, all clear aerially. Central Park's a mess, but we, we contained it pretty well and this is you know when this issue comes up again because you know shen li was actually one of the voices against uh what had happened with to and gamora a couple of years ago she was like are we any better than him so there's i'd like there is some consistency with the characters here that she is now the one once again bringing up the issue and she's saying you know how many people do you think we killed and um Hawksmore's like how many people would have died if we hadn't been here you know it's not a great answer i know but it's the best there is we saved more people than we killed and uh jenny's like well that'll do it for me we, we managed something else too i just spoke to jackson king and christine trelane they're going to scramble aid agencies into gamora and a team of united nations inspectors now, this is this is where we're going to get political. She says So it'll be a U.N. team, not a single country that'll find Gamora's bioreactor teleport system. It'll be the U.N. holding ways of mass producing human tissue from DNA scrapings. The U.N. holding a revolutionary mass transit system. And they'll know we know they have it. So give it five or ten years of testing and building and building. And well, the world will be a better place. And we hear it just as we wrap up. This is a priority transmission via the United Nations building in New York City, breaking across all commercial and private frequencies in all languages. This is Jennifer Sparks speaking for the authority. You are not alone. You want to get political before i go into the review yeah we saw this in the last issue too this is warren ellis inserting his politics into this which i actually don't have a problem with i don't i actually don't mind when creators put their politics in as long as it's consistent and makes sense for the story and i don't actually have a problem with it here either but he is clearly putting forward this oh if we just give all the power to the world government if we just give all the power to the u.n that would be fine it's only when they have these other nations doing things that that's where there's disaster but we take the same power the same technology give it to the u.n that's how that's how things will work out great and i i just the only thing i don't like about it is is that it makes jenny sparks seem kind of lame to me that she's like you know she's the one who's this independent person taking on this authority and and trying to protect people but now she's like well things will be better if we just give all this to the un i thought that was kind of a dumb soliloquy for warren ellis to just be putting onto her that part doesn't seem um so much in what should be her character, it seems more like just Warren Ellis pasting his politics on the end of this story, which is really my only criticism of the writing of this. To be honest, because because I, I love it in general and I don't really have a problem with it, but it did, it did take me out of it a little, especially to end on that speech. It's like and, that, and that's the end of that story is this fucking speech about the UN. But what do you think?
1: The UN is totally going to end up having some nonprofit agency come in who will end up absolutely trafficking. Gamoran children.
0: <laughs> That's in uh Stormwatch Volume 5 by Remzo Martinez. <laughs> the Clinton soon.
1: Foundation story is providing aid to Gamor. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to all the children? <laughs> Where did they go? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of this run? I liked it way better than Stormwatch in both story in both story, yeah, in both story <laughs> and artwork.
0: Helps that it's four issues, not fourteen. Yeah. too, That that we're looking at. Big today. difference. I don't know how I ever, how the fuck did I ever did that? It's insane. Ah, uh, but yeah, but, but uh, you want to get, you want to give me your your breakdown here?
1: You know, th- this reminds me a lot of the last JLA story we did. It's a globe trotting adventure, pretty pretty linear, but you got a lot of good characterization. I- I'm gonna be flat on both. I'm gonna say, you know, story gets a gets a seven point five, artwork gets an eight. I'm giving it. I'm sorry, no. No, that's not how we do scores. I'm sorry. I had a complete, like, you know, mental breakdown for a moment. It must be the 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 chemicals in the air um, as soon as I said anything negative about the UN. I'm giving the artwork a 3.5, and I'm also going to give... I'm sorry. I'm going to give the story a 3.5. and I'm going to give the artwork a four for a total score of a 7.5 out of 10. All right. Not not too shabby. And
0: yeah, uh, I, I'm going to give the art, let's see, I'm going to give the art a four. I like Brian Hitch's art. I don't think this is his best art. Some of the, the works seem I don't know, just maybe lacking some detail, but it's a minor criticism. I mean, a four is a very good story, and I, I really did enjoy the art of this uh, much as I did those last few issues of Stormwatch where, where he took over. So I have enjoyed his art. It just it's it, it really fits the story to, to me, the, the art here um, and the story. Again, this is very good. I really enjoyed the story from Warren Ellis, not his best work, but it's very straightforward. And with like sort of I don't know, the politics is in the background until, until that last page. I'm taking off. A half for him i was going to give it a four the speech took me out of it so i'm going to be right there with you 3.5 on Warren analysis writing for a total of 7.5 here uh brings it to a total spc score of 15 for this authority run that's pretty good though i mean that that's still you know it's just below must read but it's in like if you're into this kind of thing definitely check it out
1: if set. you if you're looking for a book that's different from the regular superhero genre stuff you've done. And I know last week we did, uh, Stillwater And you know, the week before that we did that, uh, moon Knight episode, which was very different from a lot of the other books that have been put out by Marvel recently. All three of
0: these books are, are, couldn't be more different from each other really. So we're getting some good variety. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, this is, this is going to add some flavor to your library and I think you'll really enjoy it. So if you've wanted to get a new book and you just don't know where to start, I mean, look back a good 20 years, you got something good right here.
0: Indeed. Indeed. And, uh, Yeah, so with that being said, uh, I think that's about all we got. Of course, as always, don't forget... There are many ways to help us out. One is, of course, to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash secondprintpod, where you can currently hear Moon Knight recaps with Remzo and not Derek Franz, not Caleb. Caleb Gordon. Not Derek Franz. I hope
1: they're listening to this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not Derek Franz, not Caleb Gordon. Uh, you will hear the Moon Knight recaps. You'll also get What Mark Missed, where I cur- I'm currently trudging valiantly through the Ultimate Fantastic Four, through the, the rough patch anyway. And I hope it's just a patch. I,
1: I really hope it's just a patch. Um, but that's all I got, Rem. So what about you? Folks, as always, we can't rely on the UN to save the world. But there's one thing you can do to help it, and it's read comics and change the world. And change the world. Good night, America. You're not alone. Adios.